Council. Angela Campbell for the appellant, Kenny Smart. I'd like to start today by focusing on what we think is one of the most egregious uh, errors in this case, and that is the failure to turn over exculpatory material evidence to d the defendant prior to trial. We think that when examining this evidence, there can be no question that the suppression of the evidence undermines the confidence of the conviction that Mr. Smart um, is currently incarcerated for. Now, we've identified two violations um, of the government's responsibilities under Brady versus Maryland, and we had identified those for the district court. Uh, materials, material and exculpatory materials that were not turned over to defense counsel prior to trial that were identified prior to sentencing. The district court agreed that this was unacceptable, that the failure to turn it over um, was a violation not only of a, a protective order, um, but uh, of the order um, that the government's attorneys were operating under, but also just uh, unacceptable in general um, for their duties. However, the court erred in finding that there, the, the standard under Smith versus Kane, that there was a reasonable probability that the result would have been different. When you look at this case on its whole, when you look at all of the problems with this case, and you look at the evidence that was presented in the case, and the problems that we've identified in this in our brief, there really can't be a question that this doesn't satisfy the standard of Smith versus Kane. So for example, there are hours and hours and hours of poll camera footage that was turned over. Poll camera footage that the government relied upon for a warrant. The government talked about in its offense conduct. The government referenced it and had in the pre-sentence report. But yet, somehow, the poll camera footage of the actual raid, the time when Mr. Smart was, was accused of possessing that firearm, that wasn't material. That wasn't exculpatory. That wouldn't have provided any source of doubt for the jury. Well, exactly how was it exculpatory? Sure. It, it, no matter how you look at it, under which version you look at it, it's exculpatory. So the video shows that the government's witness, Lometa Welch, no matter what, how you look at the video, wasn't truthful. Um, she, at, at worst for Mr. Smart, she wasn't truthful in if you take that the last car that shows up is her car. Uh, she wasn't truthful when she said someone else was with her and someone else purchased cocaine from her when she went into that house 45 minutes before the search warrant. In addition, it would have shown that she wasn't truthful that she met with a person named Ms. Harper who was supposed to be in that house, supposedly. But the video shows that person didn't leave. If that car really is Lometa Welch's, the last one on the video, Ms. Harper didn't leave, and she, she later says she wasn't even there. So she had to be not telling the truth or, or, or mistaken or something um, during her testimony. That's at, at worst for Mr. Would Smart. Have, it would have provided impeaching evidence, right? And then tell me how that would have then made a difference. That's at, that's at worst. At, at best, it shows she wasn't there at all during that time frame. And in a case like, I mean, Smith versus Cain, the same, the, the the case that establishes this standard is is an impeachment case. It's it, when an eyewitness is testifying to something, and there's there's evidence that shows that the, that what they're saying wasn't true. That is material. That satisfies the Brady standard. And and in this particular scenario, it, it, 
we don't know because we didn't get an evidentiary hearing what she would have said, which car was actually hers. It could actually be that none of those cars were hers, and she was never there that night. How it's exculpatory is the gun itself wasn't found on Mr. Smart. It was found in the residence where there were other individuals that were involved in the sale of drugs. The gun that was found in the residence was placed at, on Mr. Smart by Ms. Welch. She says, I, I looked into the room. I was going to buy drugs from him, but he was asleep. But the gun had his DNA on it, and as I understand, seven witnesses saw him with the gun when he was possessing or selling crack. This is that not exactly, Your Honor. First off, the... Um, there are two counts here. So you can't, you have to look at each one as it's exculpatory for any particular count because he has consecutive sentences. So one of those is felon in possession, and one of those is 924C, possessing in furtherance of drug trafficking. The whole reason they wanted Ms. Welch is that she was saying she was going there to buy drugs. That was the purpose of going there. But he was asleep, so she bought him from a different drug dealer at the house. Um, if it turns out that that wasn't accurate, that she wasn't there to buy drugs for him. And mind you, he didn't have drugs there. He didn't have drugs on him. He didn't have drugs in the house. He didn't have drugs in his car. So how she could be buying drugs from someone who didn't have any drugs is a different question. But if you take away that connection to him and the drugs, that takes out the 924C count. Now, you're talking about these other witnesses. Yeah, okay, right, exactly. Right. What about the other witnesses? On different day. On a different day, and those have their own problem. That that goes into the Corey Turner statement. We have these two individuals who admitted that they had written statements that they now say aren't true to try to exculpate the other person that the other person selling drugs in the house. They have all sorts of reasons to 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 manipulate their evidence. They weren't ever charged. They were admitted. Um, people involved with drug trafficking. And their two statements, they lived together, their two statements were completely contradictory to each other. Corey Turner was not a government witness, right? He was. He was listed as a government witness. He never testified. He didn't testify once they interviewed him and found out the exculpatory information that they didn't turn over. He was prepped. He was there for trial prep. Okay, so what was exculpatory in his statement that wasn't turned over? He takes out the other witnesses. The other two witnesses, the other two civilian witnesses, Charles Loggins and Heidi Knipsu, he says, I was there at their house. I was the supplier of drugs to Mr. Smart. He didn't have a gun. And not only was I there, I, I was there multiple times. He never had a gun. That's in direct contravention of what they're saying, which is every time he was there, he would lay a gun down on the counter and he would threaten everybody with it. And here's this gun, right? That's what Mr. Loggins says. Now, Ms. Knipsu says she only saw it once. She's later like prompted by the government to try to say it was more than once, but originally she says once. And um, he takes the gun out of that, of that house. He says, I'm there too. There is no gun. And I, would, I knew him. I, I know him. I would be surprised if he had a gun. And he didn't know how to cook crack. So this idea that he's coming there multiple times a day to cook crack cocaine for these two crack addicts, um, when he doesn't know how to cook crack, it, it, it would have caused at least something for the jury to think about. Now, would, in the end, the jury have decided something different? It's hard to know, but that's not the standard. It's a reasonable probability that it could have been differently. It could have been different. Counsel, as to the Corey Turner interview report that was mm -hmm. not provided, uh, how do you respond to the argument that that same information was already available to Mr. Smart? 
then why did they prep him for trial? I mean, the, yes, we, here's what really happened is that we identify that he would have been a good witness for Mr. Smart. Mr. Smart wanted him to testify. That's his ineffective assistance of counsel argument. That we raised that in our motion for a new trial. That it wasn't until we raised that that question of like, yeah, you know what? This was good enough. They should have they should have called him. That's that's grounds for a, a direct challenge on you know while he's on the criminal case, not a post conviction direct challenge. That was ineffective. This person is taking the gun out of his hands during drug deals. That takes out the nine twenty four C, and. So we raise that, and it isn't until we, until we raise that that they're like, oh, yeah, we also interviewed him right before trial, and he said it clearer, even clearer, no, he didn't have a gun. I would be surprised he didn't have, would have a gun. He wasn't into that. And I was there, and he didn't have the gun, right? So I think that it's material in the sense that if, if it was so exculpatory, which we think it was exculpatory enough that defense counsel should have called him for ineffective reasons, but then why are they prepping him and then deciding not to use him? All questions we can't answer because we didn't have an evidentiary hearing. And so at, at the very least, you have to question this case. So many things in this case. Like what, what are the odds that everything goes wrong in this one case? They, the poll camera footage goes missing? Like just that section? And it shows that their witness isn't telling the truth? An interesting proposition. As I'm hearing the argument, it's 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 exculpatory because if they'd have produced it, counsel might not have been ineffective. Right? If he'd done his job. I mean, this is why we have to raise an effective argument. I mean, I mean, the easy that answer one, though, is that one sounds like twenty-two fifty-five material. I mean, all of it is is twenty fifty-five well, material, but it's not exclusively twenty fifty-five. No, no, material. I understand. I understand. Right. Right. And I, but I don't think we can raise it just on 2255 because his defense would be, I didn't have that video. How could I possibly have crossed her better if I didn't have the video of the car? I mean, the answer would be you should have identified that that, that was the only section missing. Uh, I mean, the rest of it wasn't missing, but that section was missing. I, I mean, you, you, I think you have to raise it now. Um, oh, I, I'm not questioning that. Yeah. And I think it's clear enough now. Why, why wait that long? I mean, we've got a situation where there's a gun, and you know we have a problem with the DNA or whatever. Also, but but even if the DNA is is your is your answer, like his 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 DNA is on that gun, okay, that doesn't give you 924C. You still have to have a connection to a drug trafficking offense, and the only way they get there is through inappropriate 404B evidence of his prior convictions, saying he did it before, so he must have done it this time. The use of Heidi Knipsu, who they didn't turn over the pull camera footage, and the, um, or that's Lormetta Welch, or Heidi Knipsu and, and Charles Loggins' information, which they didn't turn over the Corey Turner um, information. So no matter which way you get there, I, I think you have enough here to reverse for a new trial. I'll reserve the rest of my time for rebuttal. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Tubbs? May it please the court. Mackenzie Tubbs on behalf of the United States, and I tried this case. I'd like to spend, of course, the majority of my time talking about the motion for a new trial and the alleged Brady violation that Ms. Campbell um, spent most of her time about this morning. 
The poll camera video was not material. And it wasn't material because it was cumulative, it was not exculpatory, and it was only of limited impeachment value. Much like in the case of Ruzika, which the government cites in its brief on page 30, this evidence was cumulative because Mr. Smart knew what Lamita Welch's testimony was with or without the poll camera evidence. Mr. Smart knew that Miss Welch intended to say, based on the interview reports, that she went into the residence and that she saw the individuals she identified, including Miss Harper, and that was true without the poll camera video. The government certainly disagrees with Mr. Smart's contention that Lamita Welch said her friend went into the residence with her. That is simply not what is contained at the in, in the interview reports at uh, dockets number 176-4 at page 5 and 176-6 at page 2. Further, at trial, Ms. Welch did not testify about that either. Well, I think Ms. Ms. Campbell might have, I think in her argument, suggested that the poll camera supported that Ms. Welsh wasn't even there. Is that true? And that might be a little bit bigger of a problem, right? The government certainly disagrees that the poll camera video does not show Ms. Welch. The government's position is that this material is not exculpatory and is, in fact, inculpatory. The government has identified... You, you agree? What's the first proposition that the video shows or doesn't show she was there? I, the government's position is that the video shows that Miss Welch was there. Okay. It shows an individual showing up at the same time that Miss Welch describes in her testimony. Her testimony at trial was that she showed up shortly before the warrant. The timestamp on that video is that she showed up at 4.18 a.m. and the search warrant was executed at 5 a.m. That poll camera footage corroborates what Miss um, Welch said about the timing, as I just mentioned, that she showed up shortly before the search warrant, as well as the contents of her interview statements. It shows that she showed up with a friend, she gets out of the passenger side of the car in the video, and that she stayed a few minutes and left. Now, the parties do agree on one thing. The district court um, did err in uh, discussing that second clip, um, the order of the second clip showing two individuals. The order is correct that that clip came before. And so the district court's order denying the motion for a new trial does get that wrong. But that does not change the nature of this video as not being exculpatory. And it is of limited impeachment value. Like the case of Peterson, the defendant's arguments here overstate the importance of impeaching Ms. Welch had they had the poll camera video. It is a single stable view of the hours leading up to the search warrant from one entrance of the residence. Ms. Welch was instead impeached by trial counsel on much greater issues. 
She was impeached based on her description of how she observed Mr. Smart inside the house. And of course, that was the crux of her testimony on this issue, what she observed when she went inside the house. That's the poll camera changed none of that. Ms. Welch was also impeached about her inconsistent description of the gun that she described being next to Mr. Smart. She was critically impeached on her long-term use of drugs and her memory and her paid preparation of a letter to pardon one of the other individuals in the house. This poll camera video was not material. And the district court's order denying the motion for a new trial should be affirmed. Moving on to the statements by uh, Corey Turner. First, this uh, report was not suppressed. It was a report that was disclosed the day that it was prepared. And it was a report of an interview that occurred in June. The report was prepared in preparation for Mr. Turner's sentencing, not for the nefarious purposes that uh, defense counsel uh, suddenly suggests today. The June report contains the exact words that the defendant today claimed are the, is the exculpatory material in fr that uh, was in fact parroted in the February interview reports. In the February report, which is uh, the first February report, which is at docket 176-1, paragraph 17 says, Turner stated Smart did not know how to make slash cook crack cocaine. The June report that was disclosed later said, when asked if Turner ever smelled Smart cooking crack cocaine, he responded, nah. Turner said he would cook crack. He would cook crack because Smart doesn't know how. Those exact facts were available to the defense at before trial. What about the gun? Does it cover the gun as well? It does, Your Honor. In the February report at paragraph 25, it states Turner never observed Smart with a firearm. In the June report at paragraph 11, it says. Turner never saw Smart with a firearm. And the react. So the June report was turned over, but the February report was not. Is that right? The other way around, Your Honor. Way around. Yes. The February report was provided, but the June report was not. That is correct, Your Honor. And the June report had not been prepared, as I said, and it was disclosed the day that it was prepared. Um, and certainly, if there had been any new evidence from that interview, regardless of if a report had been prepared, the government would have written a letter making a disclosure. But that was not necessary here because that report was not, did not contain exculpatory evidence. The reality is that at all times, the parties knew that there was little value to Mr. Turner's testimony. He uh, did not see Kenny Smart with a gun, but he also testified, or he also, excuse me, in his interviews, discussed repeatedly supplying Kenny Smart with cocaine and crack cocaine. The parties weighed the costs and the benefits, 
And uh, both the government and Mr. Smart decided that Mr. Turner's evidence that he served as a source of supply for cocaine for Mr. Smart was not evidence worth presenting at trial. I'll move on now to the evidentiary issues, particularly the, the admission of the prior convictions. And uh, Mr. Smart certainly relies on Turner, but as this panel knows, uh, Mons makes it clear that the standard in Turner does not apply in this case as it is here, where the defendant places his knowledge and intent at issue during trial. These convictions were certainly probative to a material issue at trial, that is whether Mr. Smart was a felon and had knowledge that he was a felon. In addition, in addition, they were substantive evidence. They mirrored the trial facts much more closely than the than much of the case law in this circuit um, that goes even broader and allows things that are much more disparate to be admitted. Here, the evidence of those prior conviction convictions showed that in the past, Mr. Smart had cocaine, a gun, and a thousand dollars in cash. It was rele relevant and probative to his knowledge as to the 920, the felon in possession count, um, that he knew it was a crime um, to possess a gun as a felon. And as to the 924C, it was certainly probative to his motive. It was the government's burden at trial to prove that he possessed the firearm in November of 2022. Um, for the purpose of furthering his drug trafficking activity. And uh, this certainly showed his motive and intent um, as to why guns are possessed with drugs. And certainly any error on this issue was cured by the court's limiting instruction. At Mr. Smart's request, a limiting instruction was not given during the probation officer's testimony, but was given during the uh, presentation of the substantive evidence of the traffic stop. So it was given at that time and then also in the final instruction. Counsel, I'd like to make sure we have time to talk about the ACC designation issue. Yes. Uh, it seems to me that... Uh, the argument uh, that is made by Mr. Smart is precluded by the McNeil case. But uh, there's a recent Eighth Circuit decision, United States versus Perez, 2022. Uh, seems to me that that may affect the analysis here. And we don't have any briefing or 28J on that. How does that affect uh, whether or not uh, Mr. Smart is a career criminal? Your Honor, it does affect it. Um, in uh, that case, uh, the government is not refiling for rehearing, and there is certainly litigation ongoing in other circuits that the government uh, could argue, but it appears likely that this holding uh, does have a significant impact on this issue, and the government would gladly respond to any 28-J fi letter filed by Mr. Smart. So are you agreeing that he, uh, his Iowa drug convictions for crack cocaine possession with intent to distribute do not qualify? Uh, I believe that the holding in Perez, Your Honor, does uh, cast that cast doubt 
on um, whether these are qualifying offenses. And they are, in Perez, as you know, they are the, the same offenses that Mr. Smart was convicted of. Yes, Your Honor. So, wait a minute. Are you conceding that question, or are you? There, there is litigation ongoing in other circuits, Your Honor, which the government would argue is um, certainly persuasive. But we do recognize the authority in Perez on these exact same convictions, the holding that um, that defendant could not be sentenced as an armed career criminal because the Controlled Substance Act excluded. Um, I. I blew fain, I can never say that correctly, and I told myself I try to not say it, um, that, that that holding certainly has an impact in this case, and the government... Uh, well, let's see if we can close the it, loop. Has an impact or compels an outcome? Your Honor, I, I do think, given that the government has not filed for rehearing here, and that the litigation ongoing in other circuits would only be... Um, would would only be uh, um, used for comparison. Certainly, um, we we would agree that it compels an outcome here. Okay, so you'll concede that this has to be remanded on the ACCA question. Yes, Your Honor. Okay, thank yes. you. That's, that's helpful. Thank you. I I appreciate you working <laughs> through the different angles there with me. Um, so with the last minute of my time, Your Honor, I will address um, what one of the um, ineffective assistance of counsel claims. And I do think that several of those claims here are ripe for consideration. And that is uh, compelled by the precedent of Staples. Certainly, uh, Mr. Smart contends that his counsel should have asked uh, specific cross-examination questions, should have called witnesses, including his girlfriend, including Mr. Turner. And that is thoroughly resolved by Staples, which um, discusses that those uh, considerations are virtually unreviewable on um, uh, looking back. Certainly every cross-examination could be improved on, but here uh, those questions can be resolved that uh, Mr. Smart's trial counsel was not ineffective. There were good reasons for not calling each of those witnesses, and the cross-examination that he did of the witnesses, Miss um, Welch, uh, Miss Kipnusu, and Mr. Loggins, was thorough um, and did address several of the issues that Mr. Smart raises in his ineffective claims. For those reasons, Your Honor, we would ask that, the government would ask that this court affirm Mr. Smart's convictions. Thank you. For Thank you, Your Honors. I, I would frankly disagree that the government's contention of this evidence as being immaterial is appropriate. Um, the video, no matter if you use this clip that the district court thought was Lametta Welch, or you use the clip that the government says is Lametta Welch, shows that what she said at some time wasn't accurate, and she was not cross-examined about it, and that transaction could not have occurred. If you take the government's position that the last car that was there was hers, then, she, then that, that person's in the house for less than three minutes. And in that time, supposedly does two drug transactions, tries to wake up Mr. Smart, can't, sees the gun, goes and finds Mr. Brown, gets drugs for Mr. Brown, gets, gets drugs apparently for the person that's now then left in the car, which is different than what her statement is. You can read her statement. She said, 
Two of them did two transactions, each for $20. And, and it ignores the fact that Ms. Harper doesn't leave the house after that transaction. She is not in the house. So she says she got the drugs. She talked to Ms. Harper. Ms. Harper went and got Mr. Brown. Absolutely, she was there. But she's not. On the video, she's not. And so it is clearly exculpatory because it shows that she wasn't there at that time to buy drugs from Mr. Smart and that what happened didn't happen that way. Or she's there hours earlier at the time that the district court thinks she's there, at which point she's wrong about the time frame and she's, and we could, the, the, the defense attorney would have then had been in the position of determining whether or not there was something else about that that was something that could be used on cross-examination. For example, still, Harper's not there. And it's at 1 o'clock in the morning. We would, the defense counsel would have, at that point in time, been able to look at the evidence to determine whether or not there was evidence that Mr. Smart was even at the house, much less asleep at 1 o'clock. Um, all of this is exculpatory. It's all, this is how they put this gun and drugs together, is through Ms. Welch and through the two witnesses that um, Mr. Turner says aren't telling the truth. How, how about Corey Turner's statement? The, yes. Ms. Tubbs says that the essence of that was, was provided to trial counsel. Mm-hmm. And this her, is why you need to... quotes seem pretty compelling to me. Right, because there wasn't an evidentiary hearing, and we can't challenge statements that are just made, like, for example. No, 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 that the substance had been turned over is my point. The substance of Corey Turner's statements had been provided to, to defense trial counsel. The statements he made in February had been turned over in that report. That I, looking at the two reports, the June report is clearer and more exculpatory. It says not only that he didn't see him with a gun, but he didn't have a gun. He would not expect him to have a gun. He doesn't know how to cook crack cocaine and that he was there frequently. And so he did not believe that he had a gun. That's a much stronger witness for the defense than February. Now, I would concede that February should have been, he should have been called. Um, you know, he's cooperating with the government. He was Mr. Smart's roommate in prison. And so that whole scenario is, yeah, and he's saying he's his supplier, his drug supplier. He has no reason to take the gun off, to Mr., off Mr. Smart. So, yeah, if, if it's so exculpatory in February, counsel should have called him. And, and if it isn't, then why is, the, why is the government calling it impeachment evidence in their briefing? Why does the government say that June would have just been impeachment of a non-testifying witness? If it's impeachment, then it's different. They recognize that it's stronger. And if you look at the reports, the dates that they're prepared, this is why you have to have an evidentiary hearing on these kinds of things. The dates that they're prepared show you that other ones are prepared when the interviews happen. Why, why is this one prepared months later? Um, so we respectfully submit that it, um, it was a violation. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you, counsel. The case has been thoroughly briefed, well argued, a helpful argument. We'll take it under advisement. Does that complete the morning's arguments? Yes, Your Honor. Very good. The court will be in recess until further call. <clears throat>